Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, head to isuencounter.org or download our student app to learn about all that's happening here. Thanks for listening. Let's give it up. All right. Hey, let me pray for us tonight. Jesus, I love the fact that when we come into this space, we don't have to beg for you to to show up to be here with us. Uh, You're here in the hearts of your people. I pray that that our eyes, which maybe haven't been trained to focus on you today, or our ears, which haven't been tuned to hear you today, um, that that would happen now in this space. You'd help turn our attention away from other things and toward you. That's the simple prayer. And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, uh, I have, um, it's not really a pet peeve, but I want to, on the very front end, I want to put something out for you guys tonight. It's like, it's, it's something that it makes me irrationally unhappy. I mean, I, and I think it makes some of you irrationally unhappy as well. And that's the place we're going to dive right in tonight. And what I'm talking about is that moment when you wake up in the morning and you reach for your phone, and you pull it over to yourself, and you look, and you realize that when you plugged it in last night, or you didn't plug it in last night, like the charger was not all the way in, and so you pick up a phone that's at like 28%, all right? Does that cause angst for anybody else in the room? I get angsty. Oh, come on, be honest with me now. All right, there's some hands out there. All right, here's the reason why it's irrational. It's because it's not that big of an annoyance. Like, I've got a charger in my car. I've got one that sits beside my computer at my desk. 98% of the places that I'm at, there are places to charge my phone. And so, I mean, it's not like I'm leaving on an international trip that particular day where that's a really big deal. And so it's not that big of a deal, but it feels like a big deal in that moment to wake up to a 28% charge, all right? And I think a lot of you understand what that is. What I want to talk with you tonight about, and and honestly, tonight's going to be a different kind of night. Um, The series that we're in is called Parables and Practices. We're studying the parables of Jesus, but we're going to take three different breaks. We're going to take three different weeks this semester and talk about a specific spiritual practice. And tonight we're going to talk about prayer. So tonight's our first practice, okay? And prayer is the subject of the night. What is it and what does it do? But tonight, I don't want to do some weird cerebral teaching about prayer. Like, I don't want to just study about prayer for an hour with you guys and be like, yes, I am more educated on prayer than I was when I came in the door. I do want to give you some Bible about what prayer is and what it does tonight. But I'm far more interested in taking what's on the page and actually putting it into practice. I'm I'm interested in us leaning together and doing tonight and not just, just listening tonight. I'd like you to, this, for this to be experiential and immersive. I want to give you a chance to pray, very simply, tonight. And so I'm going to have little like sermonettes mixed in here, but we're going to have spaces of worship. And I'm just giving you permission on the very front end tonight that as we worship, I know normally because, you know, we'll do like a block of teaching and a block of worship, the easiest thing to do is to stay in your chair. But I'm going to encourage you tonight, if you want to get out of your chair and move around, you want to worship in a different spot, you want to be on your knees in the corner, you want to go pray with someone else uh, and have a conversation with them. If, if the Lord is leading you in those things tonight, there's freedom in the room to do that. I know you don't need my permission to do that, but you have my permission to do that tonight, to think a little bit differently um, about what prayer is and why we're together. Uh, because the reality is, you know, that whole 28% charge thing with my phone, um, I have physical needs for my body. I have mental needs, mental health needs. 
And those, I think, we are attuned to and we understand, you know? So if you are not a people person and you, you, know, and you went to the retreat this weekend and you're around people for like 48 hours straight and you get home and you're like, I need a minute, okay? <laughs> I need a minute, a non-people minute. You understand yourself that way and that makes sense to you where you know what you need in that. In that. And if, you're, if you haven't eaten all day, all day, and you get home, and you're like, I, I'm starting to get a headache, and I'm not feeling, I'm feeling really lethargic. It's like you're attuned to what your physical body needs, and you understand those needs. And when, it start, when things start to happen, that headache starts happening, and you're like, okay, I realize there's some things my body tells me that I need. We are not very attuned to our spiritual needs. And they are just as real, if not more, than the other ones. And I, I have a feeling that many of us start the day at 28% often in the spiritual realm. We don't connect with the Lord. I mean, I, I would encourage you that your first and last thought of the day should be Jesus. To lean into a space where you're able to fill your soul. And again, this isn't a, a religious checklist kind of thing. This is a space where your soul doesn't do well at 28%. And suddenly you're like, why am I anxious all the time? Why, why do I have all these feelings of self-hatred? It's like, well, part of that is because perhaps you haven't immersed yourself with the one who tells you your self-worth. Maybe you haven't immersed yourself in understanding the power of a God that you can put your trust in. Again, don't live your life at a 28% charge when it comes to who Jesus is. Uh, interestingly enough, Jesus did this all the time. I found 38 different references to Jesus getting away to be in quiet places, solitary places, to pray. He did this all of the time. I'll give you just a few. Luke 3, while he was praying, heaven was opened. Matthew 14, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Mark 6, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. You, you also hear that he's going away. He's removing himself. He's finding places where he can do this. Luke 6, it was at this time he went off to the mountain to pray. He spent the whole night in prayer to God. Mark 1, in early morning, it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Luke 5, Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Luke 9, and it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. Matthew 26, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. We're actually told that Gethsemane is a place that Jesus went often to do this. He created space to meet with his father. Okay? And some of you may say, I, I'm, this is not an area I'm familiar with. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. I don't know what that looks like. Well, let me just tell you, step one, create a space. Create a space. It's going to be really difficult to do if you're like, I don't know how to do that, but also I'm not going to take any time to do that. Uh, Jesus will not force your hand. He will not grab your neck and turn it around and force it to him. You need to meet his gaze. So step one, create a place. Last Thursday, it was my son's Christmas present. We did a road trip uh, to Indianapolis together uh, to go to the Golden State Warriors game. That was a, a ticket to see Steph Curry was his <laughs> Christmas present, all right? And so had an amazing day with my, my, uh, my junior high boy on Thursday. And why was it an amazing day? Because it has been set aside on our calendar since December. And we knew that that space was carved out for me and him to have an experience together. Do you have space carved out where your connection with the Lord matters to you? That should be a part of my rhythm. That should be a part of your rhythm. And tonight, we've carved out some space, my friends. 
Before we go there, there's just two things I want to get to you. One would be this. I'm not normally the guy when he teaches who tries to get like alliteration, but I couldn't help myself, okay? Connection, conversation, collaboration. The three C's of prayer. I don't like it even as I say it, but these are, it's just the way it came out, okay? When we come together to pray, it, it, it creates a point of connection with him. The same way as if I have date night with my wife, we set aside time where we can connect with one another. We can share what's ha our experiences with each other. We can talk about our values with each other. It creates real conversation with him. In other words, I expect a dialogue when I pray with the Lord. And I don't just mean that he's always audibly talking back, but there are times of listening where uh, this scripture verse will jump out to me, and I, and I believe the Lord leads me to that. Or sometimes there's a sense of him leading a specific direction, or he puts a name on my heart or on my mind, or he brings me back to a specific conversation, maybe to encourage me, maybe to rebuke me. That's his part of the dialogue. And it brings us into a collaboration with him. There are things that the God of the universe wants to do in your life and through you, collaboratively with you, and prayer creates that common space where all of that gets to happen. It's so cool. Connection, conversation, collaboration with him. And really it comes down to presence. The fact that God wants to be present with you and I. Now, I think this is important for me to say on the front end because there are a lot of people then that grow up with different experiences of church and so they're like, how come I feel like God is with me certain times and I don't at others? Or sometimes in worship, man, I really feel him in the room, but sometimes he feels really far away. Sometimes when I pray, it feels like he's right next to me. And sometimes it feels like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, you know? Um, let me tell you this. God's presence is a promise. It is a constant. You do not have to beg for it. You do not have to sing hard enough in your worship songs to create that experience for him to be there. Your emotions and your feelings do this. But God is a straight, static line. He does not change like shifting shadows. That is not the way he works. He is a constant. He is present in the hearts of his people, given the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You say, wait a minute, Ben, but there sometimes there are unique moments. There really are. There are unique moments of presence. And I would agree with you. That whole thing in Matthew 18 where Jesus says, hey, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Okay, you need to understand, I don't have time to fully unpack this, but in Matthew 18, he's actually talking about conflict between believers and how if you have two people who are in conflict, they should go to each other and they should try to work out that conflict in a spirit of unity and humility and a desire to heal. They should try to work that out. And if they can't, they should bring in two or three witnesses, godly people who will help them struggle toward unity together. And it's at the end of that chapter where Jesus says, hey, by the way, where two or three are gathered, I'm with you. He is not saying where one or two are gathered, I ain't showing up. That ain't worth my time, <laughs> right, right? He's saying, hey, where you've got this messy situation where you are trying to solve conflict and you are praying and you're asking for discernment and people's feelings are hurt and you're praying for unity, I am uniquely present with you. And there are moments in scripture where you can't deny it that, that, that the Holy Spirit is uniquely present. And so I would just sum it up this way. God's constant presence is a promise. He doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't leave you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. 
Even though it may feel like that at times, it's not true. That's a promise we can hold on to. His constant presence is a promise. And it is okay to want those moments of unique presence, but they're a gift. And you don't demand a gift. You hear me? I can't be like, God, unique presence now. <laughs> Jump through my hoop. Come to my feet. No, he's the God of the universe. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes he will give you a moment of unique presence where you can feel his arm tight around you. And those are a gift. But don't confuse that with the fact that his, he wasn't present all along because he certainly, certainly was, my friends. So I'm going to have the band come out. And in this first block of songs that we have together that we just get to pray. We get to put this into practice. I want you to understand that what prayer is is a connection with the Father. It is an invitation to conversation. It is an invitation to collaboration. And we've created the space. The rest of the week, it's up to you to create the space. But tonight, we've created a space where you get to sing and pray. But here's a little gentle nudge for you tonight. If the, if the words on the screen match what's going on in your heart, sing your guts out, all right? If they don't, if they might not be where you're at right now, don't. Sit, kneel, move to a different space, put your face on the floor, grab somebody else, pray with them. Let's just create some space, some authentic space tonight where we can connect with, converse with, and collaborate with the God who is present because he doesn't leave us. All right, for those who want to, feel free to stand and we'll sing together.
Again, just to inject some words in between our prayers. Prayer is creating a space where we have conversation, where we have connection, where there is this collaboration with the God of the universe who has things to say. And I believe he's speaking all the time. It's just a question. We've talked about that, whether or not we, we tune our ears to those things. His presence. When Jesus was getting ready to go away, I mean, he, he sat down with his disciples the last conversation that he has with them, like John 14 through 17. So John 13, he washes their feet, his final teaching moment with them. And it just strikes me how he comes back again over and over and over again in that section of scripture, those three chapters where he's like, hey, I'm going away, I'm going away. But he keeps repeating to them, I'm not leaving you alone. I am not leaving you alone. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving you a helper. not leaving you alone, he says. I'm present. I will continue to be present with you. So as we, as we continue to lean into prayer, I mean, we've already talked about what it is, but this question of what it does, what does prayer do? There is a power to it, but for what? What does it do? Well, step number one, because I think we're quick to want to jump to Matthew 17, where we're like, we can throw mountains into oceans. That's what we can do with prayer. Well, we'll get there, all right? But before anything else, before it does anything else, prayer changes me as the prayer, as the one who comes into connection with the God of the universe. The very first thing prayer does is it realigns me because I need recalibrated. And when I give God my time and my space and my attention, I mean, take a look. These are some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. He guides us toward truth. He convicts us of sin. He's our helper. He's our helper. He's our teacher. He reminds us of Jesus' words. He empowers us miraculously. And so as we lean into spaces of prayer, let me just talk about, about how some of these look, how they work. Those first two, he guides us toward truth and he convicts us of sin. Um, I don't know if, you, if you've noticed this in your life. Maybe when you come into a worship service and, you know, and you're like, okay, I, I should pray before I kind of like start worshiping. And the Holy Spirit may in that moment, and often does, begins to put a finger on some things in your heart that don't belong. He'll bring to mind some of the things you've done or thought that week where you're like, oh yeah, I remember that now. And it's, again, I, I hope you hear this from me often, not in a sense of shame, not in a sense of guilt, but in a sense of child, 
you need healing in this. You need forgiveness for this. You need to bring it to me. You need to give it to me. And you, and you say, Lord, I need help and healing in this. Will you take this? And, and, and he does. He does. White as snow, white as snow, though our sins were as scarlet, that he can make us whole and pure again. And so oftentimes when we come into prayer, the Holy Spirit will, again, not out of sense of shame, but out of a sense of love, forgiveness, mercy, want to identify those things in our heart that don't belong. We actively poison ourselves, and the Holy Spirit comes along and is like, and he identifies that poison as like, child, you need that out of you. You need that out of you. Don't let that plant grow. It'll turn into bad things. And so we have these checkpoints with the Lord where the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. He's our helper. I don't need to do a whole Greek study, but if in, your, in that specific passage in John 14, your translation might translate that word helper as encourager, counselor, helper, comforter, challenger, or exhorter. Um, because there, there are, there are uh, nuances of, that, of all of those words within that other Greek word that sit there. And so the Holy Spirit has all of these. It's not just convicting you of sin. It's not like the Holy Spirit's just the, the Debbie Downer of prayer where it's like all of the stuff that you did, I'm going to call to the surface. Look, no, there's stuff in you that he needs to encourage, that he wants to call out, that he wants to raise up, that he wants to build up in you. And in prayer, he does that. He comforts us. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. You can come to him in a deep sorrow and the Holy Spirit meets you in that place in comfort. He also leads. So there are places sometimes where you may need clarity. And if the Lord is ready to give it, he's not always ready to give it. Sometimes he needs you to be patient. Sometimes he builds that up in you. But if the Lord is ready to give clarity, the Holy Spirit is the one who leads in that and says, yeah, I can give you wisdom. I can give you discernment. He's our teacher. He reminds us of Jesus' words, literally says that in John 14, 26, that Jesus tells him that's one of the things that he's going to do. I can't tell you how many times when you're praying and there's a specific Bible verse that comes to mind or something specific that Jesus has spoken that is relevant to you. And prayer is the garden for that. Again, you've walked into this garden. You have created the right space and now you get to see what grows. I'm showing you what tends to grow in that garden when you create that right space where Jesus reminds you of those words. In Acts 1.8, we can't forget that one. He empowers us. He empowers us. The Holy Spirit is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, and that is the same power that lives in us. He empowers us. And so my job... I don't mean me as a pastor. I mean me as a person who is praying. When I walk into that space of prayer, again, it's my job to create the space and say, hey, God, what do you want to do in this space? How do you want to speak? How do you want to lead? Holy Spirit, if you have encouragement to give, I want it. Holy Spirit, if you need to identify sin and brokenness in me, I want it. I want it. I really do. I want you to come and, and do that work inside of me. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you're at a place offering your gift at the altar, which our version of that would be here or church, something like that. If you're going to a place and you're ready to worship, you're ready to pray, you're ready to sing, you're ready to learn, and you remember that you have something against your brother, your brother has something against you. He says, 
Leave your gift. Go make it right. That's the kind of work the Holy Spirit does sometimes. It can be annoying <laughs> to enter into a moment of prayer and for Jesus to put his finger on that one relationship in your life that's not right. And for him to be like, I think you might need to have a conversation. I think you might need to have a conversation with it. You know, maybe you don't need to have a conversation about that conflict. Maybe that's something you need to talk to a counselor about. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, remember? <laughs> remember we were going to do that? And we haven't done that? And that conviction begins. Or the Holy Spirit will bring somebody to mind. And you don't even know why. They'll bring a name to mind. I can't tell you how many times this has happened. Like God has done this in me and God has done this for me through someone else where God will bring a name to mind and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just start praying for that person. And then when I'm done praying, I'll shoot him a text and be like, hey, I don't know why God brought you to mind today, but he did, I'm praying for you. And the response is 90% of the time is, that is crazy. Do you know what's happening right now? And it's like, I have no idea what's happening right now. But God does. And the number of times where I have been in a crucial situation and my phone randomly lights up and someone, God has put it on somebody's heart to pray for me in that moment. But you guys, if I'm just watching Netflix or my earbuds are just in, none of those things have an opportunity to happen. This is what the Holy Spirit does when we provide space. And again, hear me in saying, if you don't want to live a life at 28% spiritual charge, these things should be a part of your rhythms in the morning and in the evening to give the Holy Spirit a chance to do this. And so again, I want to give a little block of time, worship, you guys can come on back out for the Holy Spirit to do that in this space. We've created this garden tonight. Maybe he brings some of those people to mind. Maybe he brings some of those conversations to mind. Would you give him the space right now to do some of this?
Hey, band, go ahead and stay where you are. I'm not going to be up here long, all right? Because to close out, um, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We need to remember who we're praying to. Because while prayer is this connection, it's this conversation, it's this collaboration with God, it's us creating space for that. And the place that he will start is here with this conviction, with this encouragement, with this exhortation, with all of these things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And the moment you open the door, he's like, let's go. All right. But I also need you to remember who we are connecting ourselves to, the God of the universe, the one who owns everything. Uh, Rob mentioned it this weekend, but there's this, there's this moment, I think it's in Mark 9, where there's this child who has, he's demon-possessed, and this demon is violent and nasty. It says when the child tries to walk by a fire, the demon will try to throw him into it to harm him or kill him. And so it's like the parents are desperate, and they bring this child to Jesus, and they describe all the stuff that's going on, and they're like, we don't know what to do. If you can help him, and Jesus goes, if? If, and he says, all things are possible for those who believe. And that's when the man says, I do, he responds, the dad, he says, I do believe, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. And I picture Jesus smiling, because in that moment, he takes the boy and he heals him completely in that moment. But that's the little piece that sticks out to me. If, if you say, there's no if. I have authority, I can, there's not a question of ability. Do you recognize who you're praying to? That we are praying to a God who has the power to heal. Whether he chooses to in that moment or is not up to my control, but I have the ability to ask. I have the right to ask him. We have all kinds of scripture that points us there. Let me just give you one from James. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Why? So that you'll be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person, James says, is powerful and it's effective. There's power in prayer. It doesn't just change us. It actually changes the world around us. James 4, you do not have because you do not ask. And when you, do, when you do ask, you don't receive because you're asking with wrong motives. 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. There's no such thing as like, well, I don't want to bother God with this. Yes, it should be us asking in accordance with his will. So not just weird, selfish things that come out of it. God, I want seven cars. Can you, can you line that up for me today? It's like, no. But when, when you're praying for things that you know are aligned with the will of God, God, I want my mom to come to know you. I've been praying for my dad to come to know Jesus for decades. If not every day, every week. God, would you do this? Would you do this? I'm just going to be an annoying voice in your ear, God. <laughs> will, you, will you create conversations? Would you put Jesus-loving people around him? I don't have time to tell the story tonight, but even how we got into the property at the 210, 
about every other day I would sit in the parking lot and be like, God, would you give us this building? We, have, we had to navigate that with five boards of directors, four sets of lawyers, four different sets of denominational oversight, all kinds of weird conversations. Like, God, would you, would you clear a path for us? I'm just asking it, God. I don't know if it's a ridiculous ask. If it is, don't, don't answer it. But I, you are the God. The earth is yours and everything in it. Ask. And have faith that you are praying to a God who has the ability to answer. Pray with that kind of authority. I'll say it again. I said it before. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And he has the power to move and shift and shake in this world. Don't forget who you're connected to. So create that garden. First thought, last thought of the day. Let it be Jesus. Create that garden, a space where you can meet with him, where the Holy Spirit can do the things we had listed and remember who you are connected to. Thanks for listening. Find out more about Encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.